This is Petticoat Rule, a program about musical productivity examined through the storytelling lens of women in the music industry. I'm your host, Erica Lang, and let me introduce producer Tara Molesworth. Hello. And our guest today is Chloe Wise. Hello. When we met, things were good, they were good, we were so grand. Such a world I never knew to begin. Fits twirl you round in my hand. Chloe Wise is a pianist and vocalist extraordinaire who sings a sultry jazz over a soulful keyboard. She's made music her whole life, by which I mean both that she has been playing since she was small and that she makes her living through her creative talents. An active member of the Pittsburgh music community, she plays with bands all over PA, including her own eponymous music collective. And she teaches students in keys and voice at Sunburst School of Music. In education, she passes along the spirit and lessons of her various mentors through the years, including the great jazz pianist and composer Jerry Allen, who recently passed at the young age of 60. I hope to learn from Chloe about the experiences that have shaped her into the hardworking musician she is today, the challenges she's faced along the way, and the places she'd like to see herself in the future. But let me first start by saying she can be quite funny and rebellious at the same time. Her creativity is not limited to music. For example, Chloe, you've made quite a few hot dog and other food sculptures in your day. Have oh, my not? gosh. <laughs> <laughs> is it true? Is this true? Oh, wow. I really – you shouldn't have been around my friends that one <laughs> I know. Full disclosure, I I went to a Chloe Wise Collective concert, and I spoke with all of her high school friends, and they told me many stories. <laughs> yeah. So and the one I, the one you you said I met this girl over a hot dog a long time ago, and then I asked her about hot dogs, and she said, "Oh, Chloe used to make all these sculptures with hot dogs," and she told me a great deal. So yeah. So do you, so I mean, were do you I a class to... clown or something? No. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. In in growing up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, um, I was kind of just, uh, yeah, I, I was I was goofy, but I was also like compared to what I am now, I was very reserved. From like growing up in uh, like a very religious family, Catholic, um, you know, having like having a great background, but but I was always like kind of limited. But I would do goofy things like that, but. To to uh, go further with that story, the hot dog, yeah, no, my, I met my friend, I was my first Sheets hot dog, and I was in, like, second grade, and it was upperclassman, my friend Lauren. Um, well, I guess in elementary school, knowing, like, I'm a baby. Yeah, upperclassman. My upperclassman, she was in third grade. <laughs> she had the lead in Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but anyways, no, and then I had my first Sheets hot dog. But then it's funny, because then, I guess, 
I guess, five years later or so, or however the math, uh, when I was in seventh grade and they were in ninth grade and we had a junior high, I, like, really liked them, like, as people. I was like, I want to be their friend. But we were already friends and stuff. You had a crush. But I had, oh, my gosh, I have so many friend crushes. Like, that's that's (laughs) how I, that's when I see someone, like, my, my best friend in the whole wide world, I, like... I was like, you're going to be my friend in the future. All right. I'm I will moving. have you. I will have you. And then I make them my friend. Wow. It's, it's, I, I'm very determined in my friendships. Wow. But anyways, no, but these hot dog sculptures, our, our school lunches were just awful. And we had this pudding. Um, it was like mm. vanilla pudding, but it, I don't know. It was mm. awful. Mm. And then these hot dogs that were like pale. I don't know. It was really weird. But I would just break them. We would have <laughs> hot dogs. The lunch was hot dogs. Uh, a hot dog with baked beans and pudding. <laughs> Ew! Was, it was it was one of our hot dog days, and they were disgusting. That's hot dog but, day at that school. Yeah, but no one looks forward to it. Everyone's like, "Oh God, we have hot dogs today." But but yeah, so so I didn't get to sit at the ninth graders' table, uh-huh. but but to be their friend, um, I like had this pudding cup, and then I put some baked beans and like made a smiley face in it. And then put like split the hot dog in half and then stuck it in as ears. Oh. And then they became my friends. I what don't know. What were the eyes? What were the eyes? <laughs> I think they were the baked beans. Or maybe they were just like, you know, eyes shooting forward. Maybe they weren't oh. ears. I can't remember, but I just I remember the the landscape yeah. of, of my art. Wow. And at lunch. Wow. Um, and so this seems to have worked because they came to your show the other night many, many years later. <laughs> we we, so, we happened to all move to Pittsburgh. If anybody's <laughs> wondering how to make friends. Listen to Chloe's <laughs> advice about hot dog art. They also said that you did a lot of uh, little rap songs. Oh, my God. Can you do one for us? Do you remember the, any of them? The first, it's really bad. Like, you guys are making me relive, like, <laughs> relive, like, when I was, like, under 12. <laughs> oh, this is the best stuff, okay, though. Okay, all right. So, so one time I wrote in someone's yearbook. Oh, no, someone wrote in my yearbook. Uh, this was in like fifth grade. I also have a, like a really weird memory. Um, they wrote, uh, Chloe, the beast of the Middle East. And I was just like, yeah, the beast of the Middle East. I'm, I'm like super, super white. Um, not, <laughs> not, not, not in any way not, Middle Eastern. Like, m- like Eastern European, but like, uh, yeah, uh, the, yeah. Uh, and, and, it, and so I made a rap and it goes, oh, the, man, there's a few, but it goes, I'm I'm gonna just do it as spoken just, word, yeah. no rapping. Let the um, flow. I'm the beast of the Middle East. When I'm released, I have a big feast. So shh, 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 run for cover, because I'm a crazy mother. <laughs> so you better be aware, and you better not dare to mess with the beast of the Middle East. I grew up in a very rural wow. neighborhood. Um, thank you. There was also oh wait, uh, uh, my name's Eric. Clode to the E. Something about macaroni. I can't remember, but <laughs> yeah, there was. And then in high school, when I I, I would I would go by the name Chloe for show. <laughs> what is it? Chloe Clo- for show. Chloe for show. I ran for class president in tenth grade, Uh-oh. and I put posters. The senior class would have voted for me. I'm yeah. pretty sure, but, but but my grade, no one really. I was just like this nerdy girl <laughs> that like. <laughs> I had really fun ideas, I guess. One was, like, don't be a dork, vote for Wysork. Oh, that's pretty good. And then good. Um, vote for Chloe, and that's for show. 
Vote for Chloe, and that's, that's for, for show. Sure. Yeah, and uh, OMG, vote for Chloe. And, you know, I didn't win. I, I didn't. Oh, the slogans are tight, though. I, do. I know. You I could, know, you but, could, yeah, I'm surprised. But I got voted in for some of the, like, so when I was a sophomore, I got voted in for some of the senior superlatives as a sophomore. What's a senior superlative? Like, you know, like uh, like best hair, best singing, best, oh. that type of stuff. But I wasn't in their grade. They just, like, they would. They just liked like, you. <laughs> you still are probably getting best hair awards because your hair currently is like oh, crazy good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. If you like Google search you, there's pictures of you, but with so long hair. It's like super long hair. And you look so different and like so youthful and nubile and innocent. Yeah. And your current hairdo is is much more, I think, your personality, which is not to say you're not nubile and innocent. (laughs) (laughs) You're just badass, you know? You're a badass. Thank you. I'm I'm trying to make that illusion. So, Anyways, yeah. It's not true? You're not a badass? I mean... I mean, you seem pretty badass. I mean, I... I, I guess I'll let I'll let the people decide, the fans decide. <laughs> but you don't you don't feel like a badass necessarily. No, sometimes I'm like, oh my god, what am I doing with my life? But yeah, mm-hmm. but not 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 really a badass. No, I mean. So you you started playing quite young. Um, I started playing piano. Maybe I, I started taking lessons in like first grade or something. Um, and then like I started once I switched to this one teacher, then. My piano playing started to skyrocket a little bit. I didn't quite know, or like I sang in choirs and stuff, but I I was more people in, like in my hometown. They were like, "Oh, Chloe plays piano. Like, mm-hmm. have her play piano for you." Um, and then probably when I got to like middle school, then I started singing a bit more. And then around high school, I was like, "I kind of want to write music," but I couldn't write it on piano because I was just. Um, the the training that I had, it wasn't really theory based. So I was like, "How do you make an E flat major chord?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. What was it like um, more like classical? It, yeah, yeah. It was just it was just I knew how to read and I could read rel- well and I had um, like good dexterity and that type of stuff. But in terms of my theory knowledge, I, I didn't have any. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started my I started playing guitar. Just I, I taught myself. My mom my mom was a a, like a classical guitarist. And Is she? Yeah, well, not anymore, but she she was. She was really, really good. And when like, was the last time she played? Oh, maybe like 2008. She has she has rheumatoid arthritis, oh, so she's no. yeah, like her her. Um, oh, I feel so. Just, yeah, she can't. Yeah. She she. Uh, yeah, she's too too busy with that stuff. Is anyways. she sad about yeah. that? Um. I think I think what got her the most was probably not being able to sing. She was like a soprano, oh. and she had a phenomenal voice. But and what happened to her voice? I think it was something to what her rheumatologist is thinking. It was more like uh, uh, her from her, the rheumatoid arthritis and uh-huh. stuff. Like it started affecting her voice, but also acid reflux. Oh. Um, oh. And, but yeah. Sad but yeah. So so that probably when I was in. In, in late middle school, early high school, um, was when my mom sort of stopped uh, 
singing that much and mm-hmm. but then she like went to go get her phd and and things like that so i see so yeah but so uh, she's found other ways to use her energy i mean i mean she she always did but the the like she she's always been a professor but uh-huh. the yeah so um, did she teach you some of the guitar then she did she well she uh i guess i uh growing up she, she I, now i understand why parents um, bring their, like, I'll have piano students and, uh, their parents, like, no piano. And some of them are probably better than I am at piano, but they still bring their kids to me mm-hmm. because it's like that parent yeah, You don't want to learn from your parents. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or it's just like the, the relationship that my mom and I have is, is really wonderful. But I think from, from the teaching perspective for me, like, especially at that age, I was just like, all right, a C major chord. And then, I don't know. We're we're both like super perfectionists. So uh-huh. like it was um I taught myself a lot then uh-huh. and I and I learned chords and it was sort of through the guitar that I was able to just kind of let loose and in in the sound um like when I was strumming a chord it, it's it, to me at the time it sounded much fuller than if I were to just play a chord on piano. Sure. And so and so I started writing writing songs. Um What was your first song like? Oh my god. Um, I mean, not Chloe the to the E or whatever, but your first guitar. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's actually funny because I think my first – okay, well, the first song I wrote, I, I really can't remember, but I wrote it just on the last two – or the, the, lower, the lower two strings. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because – Like it's a bass line or something. Yeah, well, more or less because the, the other string beneath those two strings was missing. Oh. On a <laughs> and so and, – and it was a classical guitar, and I didn't know anything. Oh, so, so. you were learning on a classical guitar. Because we only had a classical guitar. Had. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, so it was easier for me to play and stuff, and then – and then maybe when I was in tenth grade, my mom bought me my first guitar and uh-huh. stuff. But um, but yeah, I can't remember that one. But then when I got my first guitar and then like started, you know, actually playing, <laughs> um, I think I, it was it was probably about uh, all of my songs were about this guy I had a crush on, like all like from kindergarten <laughs> to from kindergarten to to high school, Aww. and and his name was Dan, and he was my best friend. Um, uh, you were in the friend zone, though. I'm. I mean, yeah. He's he he's he's gay now, but like that's. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Something that brought you guys you. together. I think so. Maybe a little bit. Um, but but um, but no. It, it, I think it it goes something like. Oh man, it was really sad and emo. It was like, but it was in a major key. It was like, I know that you can never be free. Uh, You'll always have a girl who's never me. <laughs> those are those. Those were some of the words, but um, and I performed those out, which is really funny to me now. Um, but actually, I still I still perform some of like two songs that I wrote in high school. I like. I mean, if you actually listen to the words, you're like, oh my god, that girl totally wrote them, <laughs> wrote that in high school. But you know, when a, when a whole band's playing and and like you have like oh, yeah, Benny Rossman on the bass, sophisticated, yeah, yeah. Then they're like, oh man, you know that that R and B tune is real cool, Chloe. When did you write that? <laughs> you played guitar. You started writing songs, and you found a voice and a connection between playing and singing at the same time. Yeah, and 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 then that's when I like truly started to sing out more and and that type of stuff. Piano, in, in, once I started doing that, though, then I sort of stopped playing piano. Mm. Um, uh, and I didn't, I didn't get back to piano until, 
Oh, probably my junior year of college. Okay, so you yeah. went to school for music. Not originally. No. Um, I, so my, my mom was a, is, is a professor at Pitt Johnstown, a communication professor. And um, so I did my first two years at Pitt Johnstown. And she, my mom was my advisor. I was a communication major. It was really <laughs> nice, I, but I commuted. So I didn't, like, get, like, I, I, my favorite years of college were those two years. But um, I didn't quite get the, the full college experience, per se. Um, but you it, mean, like, moving away and living in a dorm? Yeah, and just, like, doing those, like, like weird drinking parties and all that type of stuff. No, I... Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what, if there were weird drinking parties. I just like to think that maybe there were. At least that's what it felt like. I was you missing really missed out, out on those weird, on those drinking, weird parties. drinking parties. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but um, uh, yeah. So I was a music minor there, but I, I I would take like eighteen credits a semester, and um, uh, and and so when I when I transferred to Pitt, uh, halfway through. Uh, I, I was meeting with the the one advisor in music just because he, uh, he, you had to have like a double advisor for communication and then for your music minor. Mm. And uh, his name was John Goldsmith, who he was originally the the Heinz Chapel uh, choir director. Um, and he goes, he looks at he looks at everything. And he's like, well, Chloe, you you might be able to graduate your junior your junior year because you you like have all of your credits and communication, like, you can finish those next semester. And I was just like, I finally got out of Johnstown, and I'm about to <laughs> I'm about to graduate in one year of being here? I don't think so. And I'm like, ah, no. And he's like, well, you also have a surplus of music minor credits, so maybe you could turn that in, or I think you should turn that into a music major. Wow. And, and I was like, uh, okay, sure. And I was just like, yeah, this will be fun. Sure, why not? And, um... Uh, there were two tracks at the time at Pitt, um, and one was westernized music, and then one was a focus in jazz studies. Mm. And and because uh, I could graduate on time with jazz studies, I was like, yeah, let's do jazz. Like I, I only knew a little bit about jazz. I didn't didn't know too much. And um, then I then then the following semesters, so it was not until spring semester that I declared the music major. And I took this improv class, and I remember, uh, like, just getting to hear all these other instrumentalists solo over, over like, the blues. And I'm just, to me, not having any true theory, like, an intense theory background. I'm just like, how are these people doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, and what, but, what happened when it became your turn the first time? I, I, pro- I tried. It was probably bad. Were you freaking out, or did you just go... F- Go for it. I just went for it, but 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 th- it was in that moment that I realized, um, like I was like, wow, I, I really can't sing in front of these people, and I realized it was because they were like, uh, well, they were my peers, but they were also like uh, really talented talented musicians, and 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 then it was that was a whole thing like sort of overcoming that um, I, I guess anxiety of of, of feeling. Like I wasn't that great. <laughs> sure. Um, do, do, do you feel like you've overcome that? Because I feel like most people don't feel like they're that. They're it, like there's always you know. I don't think anyone would. I mean, if if someone's admitting like, yes, I'm really great. I, so I don't great. think anyone <laughs> would want them. No. Um, I would say I would say probably within jazz. Like I still I still get a little 
um, not a little, like, especially vocal improv. Oh, that's, like, uh, really hard for me to do. By um, vocal improv, do you mean, like, with words and everything? Like, mm-hmm. scatting. 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 I can, I oh. can, I've, 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 it's, it's been a process. I've been trying to get better at it. But, um, yeah, it, it, you know, you're, you're never, I don't think anyone's ever really satisfied with, um, or not satisfied, but like you know, you're always trying to do do better mm-hmm. um, at, at it. But um, but yeah, so so the through Pitt um, when I when I studied there, um, and I just remember like after after that class, I called my mom and I'm like, Mom, I loved this. And uh, Susan was was a very, my mom was a very big uh, part in the in the process, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, when, when and and it was in that moment, I was just like. I want to do music like this. It just like all felt right. Yeah. Um, and so, and so later on that semester, um, it was when Nathan Davis at Pitt was, uh, he, he was still running the, the jazz studies program and they had two, but he was, he was leaving. So they had two, uh, people come in to like observe and see, you know, which teacher they liked the best to take over the program. Um, one was, was, uh, I, I can't remember who the guy was, but I think he was a saxophone player from like the jazz messengers or something like that. Um, but then the other person was Jerry Allen. And, um, at the time I had, I had no idea who Jerry Allen was. Um, and when she came into the class, uh, some, some of the, some of the other kids were like, oh my gosh, Jerry Allen's, Jerry Allen's here. Like she's. She's toured with so many people, and she she was a phenomenal jazz pianist, um, and educator, and just human being in general. But um, she she was there doing doing the observation and, and just her instruction, and she introduced me uh, to to the music of Betty Carter. Who, um, if you if anyone hasn't checked her out, she's like in terms of vocal improv, just a fantastic. Um, uh, I don't, fantastic isn't even a good word for it. Like, she's just mm-hmm. phenomenal. Um, like, uh, in terms of vocal imp- improv singers, I would say, like, Betty Carter, Ella Fitzgerald, those two are, like, untouchable, right? Um, but uh, anyways, uh, so so I started listening to Betty Carter's music after that, still not really knowing who Jerry Allen was. Jerry Allen uh, ended up getting the position, and I remember over the summer, like, okay, Jerry Allen's coming there, and I was listening to a live recording of Betty Carter's music, and and I hear Betty Carter, like, the piano solo stop, and Betty Carter's like, Jerry Allen, everybody. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like, wow. she she was... That was her pianist, and I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Why she was like telling us all about uh, Betty Carter, and then, um, and then it was I, I I took I took an additional class just to have her um, for my last semester of college, and um, I remember the class like my my friend who played drums he was literally like shaking, and I just didn't understand any of this like her mm-hmm. who she was or anything, and I and I think I, I'm actually thankful for it. Although I wish I would have realized that a, a little bit sooner, how how like uh, important she was at but the time. Thankful because you can you could have uh, had I that could, experience more openly. Uh, yeah, I could talk to her because I'm oh my gosh, I'm really really bad at talking to to famous people, <laughs> like, <laughs> like really bad. 
Um, and so, and so everyone's shaking and, 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 uh, maybe a few classes later, I, I go up and I talk to her and I tell her something about, um, Betty Carter. And I, I said, yeah, I'm doing like for my senior, um, my senior project, like I'm doing a concert and I'm singing this one song called Bluebird of Happiness by Betty Carter. And she goes, and I just wanted to tell her, I'm like, because you introduced that artist to me and like, I just think it's cool. And she's like, oh yeah, I haven't heard that one. Oh, well, let's, let's do some ad, like she, all of a sudden she sort of started to have more of, more of an interest just because I think it was because I went up to her and talked to her about, Mm -hmm. about some of the things that I was doing. And, um, and then I, I, you know, I, like I told her about, I did this like campus superstar thing or whatever. And, and it was like a singing event. And, um, I don't know, I think through that and then through class and she, I think she also really liked my, my low voice, um, mm-hmm. in singing, mm-hmm. um, that I, I guess we, we just started to build this, uh, relationship and not that I couldn't say like, uh, for some of, for some of the people that she mentored, like they were much closer and stuff, but, um, uh, she, she sort of, in, in the years after I graduated, she sort of like took me under her, under her wing in a sense. She like made sure that, you know, I was, I was going in the right direction with music. Cause afterwards I wanted to, uh, pursue a career in, in jazz. Well, at the time I thought jazz vocal performance and I was trying to get like my master's in it and, and, um, you know, through all that. Wow, I could talk about Jerry Allen forever, actually. No, I mean, it's but, great. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that was like when I started doing music. And then um, after, after college, I was like, I really need to catch up. I don't know how I graduated uh, with high sure. honors in the music program. Because um, you're, you're talented. Well, but, but I understand. Like, it's like, you, it's like almost like you just got started. I just got started. Yeah, yeah. And it, now you're out there on your own. Huh? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so I did two years of, of uh, independent study with uh, Ron Bickle uh, from Duquesne. And he he really just just taught me a lot about chord function and I mean I already I knew like how to create major chords and that type of, but like you know there's one thing that you know how to do it but can you excel at it and can you um, you know make it your own and and so he taught me a lot about just like different voicings and everything and and then I studied with a uh, voice with Sandra Dow um, and and then all through that I I, I did this like all female. I, basically, Jerry Allen had me do like different programs. She would she would keep keep tabs on me in mm-hmm. a sense. Yeah, um, that's so nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I would like email her like a million times and, uh-huh. and that type of stuff. And then she, but she told me she's because I was like I feel bad when I saw her once in person. I was like I feel bad for like emailing you so much. And she's like No, no, keep doing that. I'm just really busy. And I'm like Okay, I won't feel bad anymore. This is this is fine. She she was like Well, you should go to this all-female jazz residency this summer. It's ages 14 to 25, which I was like, that's <laughs> really strange. That's really weird. <laughs> um, I guess I can do that. How old were you on, a, on the upper end of that? I was 23. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, okay. Um, and, and so then we, um, we went to, or, so I, I drove the whole way out to New Jersey to do this uh, all-female jazz residency program because one of uh, one of the women that were working it was Kenetra Miller, and she's the the vocal uh, instructor 
at uh, Howard University, which was one of the schools I was looking at. And um, when I when I got there, uh, you know, it was really weird because I was like, these girls are the majority of them were between the age like in late middle school, oh, yeah. early high school, and I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Like there were like a few in college, and I'm I'm at like a year out of college. And uh-huh. I'm just like okay, um, but but the but the whole thing was her idea was to have you know your mentors that of of like people actually doing it. So so there were um, so Jerry Allen was one of the people there um, for keys and instruction. Kenetra Miller, um, then the trumpet player Ingrid Jensen was there, uh-huh. and. Bruce Williams on sax, uh, and Kenny Davis for bass, and then um, Jimmy Cobb for drums. And Jimmy Cobb was the original. Uh, he the, there's a jazz staple album called Kind of Blue uh-huh. um, with Miles Davis, yeah. and Jimmy Cobb was the drummer on that oh, album. Oh wow! And and so it was just like I was like really excited about that stuff, but I, still at the time I didn't know Jerry Allen's. Uh, like I was just like, wow, she's really connected. <laughs> Yeah, well, you saw her people. as a person first. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then um, and then when I got there, like I don't even think she realized that I was coming to uh-huh. it, and she saw me, and she's like, "Oh, Chloe," and Aww. she she gives me a hug, and when that happened, all the other girls were like, "Jerry Allen just talked to you," <laughs> and, and I was like, "Yeah, she was she was my professor. She's <laughs> like, my bud." And then and then they would have guest speakers come in, and everyone was like. Uh, they were naming the, the 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 people like these famous people that they played with, and they're like, yeah, and, and and Jerry Allen, like, oh my gosh, I'm so like there was uh, Tia Fowler, she came in, and Tia Fowler, she is a like a really interesting, uh, well, in, phenomenal saxophone player, is really taking the scene by by storm. Pop culture would be like, oh yeah, was, she played in Beyonce's band mm. Um, mm-hmm. and that type of thing for sax. But Tia Fuller, when she was there, and everyone's like going nuts over Tia Fuller, and she was Tia Fuller was going nuts over like Jerry just Allen. being going nuts over Jerry Allen, and wow. then I'm just like, oh, this is so weird. Oh wow. okay, and <laughs> and then. Um, and then, but that was after after that point in in my life. Then I was just like, okay, I'm only doing music. Uh-huh. And then that's when I, I was like a project manager at the time for an environmental graphic design company. And um, I know. I, well, I was more like a project. <laughs> I was a project coordinator, really. And yeah. and I I was a terrible worker. I was. <laughs> Um, but but so what, my heart wasn't in it. What about that experience made you feel like you just felt like so the pull of it, the resonance of it, like you could do this, um, like you had the ability or? There's so many like just like, you know, uh, looking back on it, things that connected in my life that I didn't quite understand there now. Um, but But looking at it all, I realized like, oh, wow, all of these famous jazz artists are here right now. But they're all educators as well, and um, uh, and I was like, well, that's that's the ticket, like mm. education and music. And they kept talking about um, giving back to to the community. And although, like, I mean, I'm 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 nothing uh, of of those standards, like of of fame or anything even remotely close to that. But um, I re- I really took that to heart 
about like giving back for for music and so also I thought it would be it would look good on my uh <laughs> grad grad school resume sure <laughs> like, oh, she taught music <laughs> but you know that was but 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 what really moved me and for me to and I and I like took like a massive pay cut when I started teaching and it was it was a struggle um mm-hmm. and because it was just in, instruction so I started out just like finding people on Thumbtack uh, which was yeah and and then that's like a website for finding teachers something there's like just various different things um it's actually really I, I think my my workplace even uses it it's like a great uh source to bring in different people um but I did that and and then I started working at School of Rock, and, and this was all while I was like really really intensely studying music um, through through Ron and through Sandy, and but independently like you're paying for lessons kind of. Thing. Oh yeah, yeah yeah I'm paying for lessons so I would like teach or even when I was a project manager like I would teach and then I'd go home and I'd practice piano and I probably practiced piano way too much I should have practiced voice because <laughs> I was trying to get into graduate school for for voice. But um, but yeah, so so it, it, all of that in conjunction, and and then I um, like so this would have been I guess two years two years out of school, and I applied to only four schools for a master's program, and it was uh, Manhattan School of Music, Howard University of Miami, and SUNY Purchase, and so all four phenomenal schools. Um, because I was like, if I'm going to do this, like, I want to go to a good school. But the funny thing is I was only studying the jazz for like two and a half years at the, or no, I guess three, three and a half years at the time, something like that. I was still really new to it. And, um, but so, so I sang and we, we, I sent in my pre-auditions and I got accepted for a live audition at all of the schools, um, which was really like I was I was like yes okay so I'm gonna definitely get into one of these uh-huh. one of these schools and and Jerry Allen wrote me my letters of recommendation and everything yeah, right. and and I had a, I had a lot of support I'm like okay I got this and I go into the auditions and and then I leave all of the auditions like oh god <laughs> what did, what happened in the audition I, that made you feel like I um my probably my best audition I did was at SUNY Purchase. And, uh, and like, I, I like crushed the audition and that, then at the end, Alexis cool, Alexa cool. I can't, I can't, I think it's Alexis. Um, but she, uh, she, she was like, okay, Chloe, now can you sing, um, uh, Bye Bye Blackbird for, for us? Like, and then do some, some improv. Uh And I I didn't know Bye Bye Blackbird. I was like, oh, uh, how about another? And then she's like, okay, how about all of me? I totally know all of me, but at the time I was just like, I well, I might mess up on the lyrics. I'm also notoriously terrible at lyrics. I'm like, oh, I'm, I uh, I'll mess up on the. And she's like, well, how about how about you just do one that you really know? And so those two songs are like the songs that you need to know, um, yeah. or like some of the there's there and and um, I could have done all of me when I look back on it. And then and then she's like, <laughs> it was it was so bad. She goes. Can you tell? Can you name five swing tunes? At, oh like, my god! And I couldn't. And I couldn't because I was like, I was just like freaking out in my yeah. head. I said Spain as one, which is like a like a, a <laughs> nothing. It doesn't. There's no swing in Spain <laughs> uh-huh. at all. And um, 
And so I left, but I didn't even think about that at the time. I was just like thinking, yeah, I like nailed it with my singing. And then, and then we ended up, I did, I did, I did uh, How High the Moon instead. And, and I improv, improvised and I was like, yeah, okay. So all of that was great, but just the fact that I was a complete idiot <laughs> not knowing yeah, the that's songs. Yeah, that's so hard. I mean, and that's it, like... And um, then it was just like... Um, so yeah, a combination of like not being prepared <laughs> and then like freaking out. Yeah, I, but but I I think it was very obvious in that in that time, like looking back, that you know um, I wasn't ready for it, mm-hmm. and and uh, none of the schools except for Howard gave me um, like true feedback and everything. But um, Kenetra Miller, she and she took time, and we we talked about it a bit and and everything, and um, uh, she they they loved my my vocal tone. And my uh, control, but the language of jazz, I didn't quite have. So, like, you know, just the feeling and the history. Like, there's so much that you yeah. need to know about jazz to, to not to do it, but, you know, there, there's a big aspect of, of feeling in it. And, and I think I was, at the time, very focused on perfection and, and like making things perfect rather than so I was just singing songs I wasn't right. feeling them but yeah so when I when I didn't get get that I then I um I kind of just like shut down in music I didn't I didn't do jazz until uh maybe just last summer was my first like time coming back really coming back to jazz I was gonna say yeah. you um you wrote something the other day uh, wow a year ago was when I decided to let go and just play uh, the opportunities I've had and the people I've met, the, pe- the music we've shared has definitely been a good year. So, like, what were you letting go of? Um, I think feeling that I sucked. Um. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, fuck this feeling I suck. I'm just going to go fucking play because that's what I want to yeah. do. Yeah, so it was, it, was, it was interesting. So I didn't – when I didn't get, didn't get involved or didn't get into these programs um, – I I like I met up with Jerry Allen and I was just like devastated. Um, but she said it, it was in a text message she sent me and it said longevity is is what is what uh, establishes a true artist or like basically in the sense of I just remember the word longevity. Yeah, and I was like, like you do it, you keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, and and so you can have all these successes, but if you can't keep continuing. And keep pushing after, you know, a big upset, Mm -hmm. then there's, you know, then that really isn't for you. Right. You know? Yeah. And in in music, you're you're always going to have upsets and and stuff. Anything creative, it's constant rejection. It is. It is. You you sort of If not from other people, (laughs) yourself. Like self-deprecation about Mm -hmm. it, you know? And you have to just, it's like you just have to keep going. Yeah, yeah. But um, so she said that to me, but it didn't really it didn't really do much for for me internally at the time. Then I shaved my head. Then I, <laughs> I like, had like shit. I, I had like a total like 2007 Britney Spears moment, and but like without the drugs and and uh, but, but yeah, I I raised money for uh, through St. Baldrick's uh, Childhood Cancer Research Fund, and so I raised like a. $1,100 for that and then donated. My hair was long. Uh, Tara, I don't know if you saw what my hair looked like. <laughs> it was, how long was it? It was, it was about as long as yours. Um, <laughs> but I had long mermaid hair. Oh. And 
uh, yeah, and and I uh, so I donated eighteen inches to Wigs for Kids. Wow, um, amazing! And but I was I I it was on a zero zero buzzer. Like so, I was it was a I was a baby chick. You were Sinead. I, Sinead oh. O'Connor. Oh yes, <laughs> but um but yeah, I did that and then. And then I was trying to do, I'm like, okay, this will be like a spiritual thing. Like my hair is going to grow back in and, and uh-huh. then I'll be a new person. Like my girlfriend at the time, like I broke up with her right when we, right when I didn't get into graduate school and, and then she moved to New York and it was like, it was, I, I was just like crumbling at the uh-huh. time and, um, and I shaved my head and then I moved into like, uh, because I wasn't like, I was like, okay, I'm doing this musician thing. I moved into the the new north which is right it's a house uh, full of musicians full of men um full of men full of hairy hairy men um you like whisk yourself up to the attic to just run through all the hairy men (laughs) mess and And then because like they're like chloe you're just in your room the whole time i'm like you're right i am why do you think that is <laughs> um, because this, but um, but no, it's super cheap and it's in School Hill and it's yeah. I love it. But um, but and, at the and time, and also like you, it's like it is a musical experience to live there too. It is, it is, and and moving there was the one of the best things I could have done. Um, and it, and I just moved there for financial reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when I moved there, uh, what was it? It was I sort of had this like mini come to Jesus moment where we, so my friends, uh, Shane McLaughlin of Buffalo Rose, he uh, runs this, uh, well, at the time, I guess he didn't, but this open mic at the Squirrel Hill Sports Bar. Yes. And and I went there for the first time and I was like, okay, like, maybe I can go up and sing. Because still like, at the time, I never sang in Pittsburgh. I sang once, uh-huh. actually, for the for the buckle downs. And it was like this weird acoustic uh, set that I did. And I look back on it and laugh because I'm like, oh my God, that was so bad. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, but I still saw like performing in Pittsburgh as like this, this major thing that I had to uh, overcome. Hmm. Or like m- finally to... to I don't know, because I only did Johnstown. And Johnstown's great, actually, for performing. But yeah, you do, like, Christmas concerts there every year. Like, bomb Christmas You're concerts. You're the queen of the Christmas concert I, in Johnstown today. I, it's, <laughs> the whole town it's, comes out. They really do. <laughs> and I mean, I mean the, 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 the organization, it's just it's a, it's a good time. Our very own Johnstown native back from the big city. I, it's, it's for the Christmas, but concert. I mean, Johnstown. Johnstown is is really doing some some cool stuff uh, lately. But anyways, um, when I when I went to the Squirrel Hill Sports Bar, what did I do? I did like at last maybe or something, something or maybe Valerie. You know, like one of and yeah. and then and then the last one I did was. Um, uh, Mr. Magic and like oh, Amy yeah. Winehouse does it. I did more of the Amy Winehouse version, but that's a that's a jazz standard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I sang that song, and I just for some reason I think it was maybe because I was drinking, but I just like started belting stuff, and I never really like I would belt sometimes, but like I didn't start like I was like belting, and and I and it felt really good, and and I never belted so high. I like hit like an F sharp, and I was like what, um, <laughs> and and. Um, and I remember there was this woman out in 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 the 
to like buy the pool tables and she like when I went up to the higher note because it seemed like everyone was kind of waiting for it and like she like throws her hands up in the air and then and then afterwards <laughs> she she comes and talks to me and um it was uh Sherry Richards oh yeah yeah I know her yeah, yeah. Sherry w- what a wonderful person yeah she is um, great supporter yeah 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 and and so Sherry was like tell me like tell me about yourself like where are you performing and and then people were like yo Chloe Sherry Richards, like, she's legit. And, and I was like, oh, um, I, I don't really, I just started singing again. And, 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 and the friends that I moved into the house with, like, only Shane knew that, like, I was a vocalist. Because, like, no one really knew me. And so Sherry, like, started keeping tabs on me as well. <laughs> and and she's, she's, she's great. Um, but then it was in that moment that I was like, okay, I started singing, but I still had that academic mindset where I was like, to be something, I need to have, you know, at least a master's. But then I was looking at Pitt's PhD program in jazz studies, and I was like, okay, well, I would then get to study with Jerry Allen, and I don't know if I really want to get a PhD at age 24, but, you know, or like just try to get that, but maybe. And and I, I remember I, I reached out to Jerry Allen, and... Uh, she didn't. She didn't get back to me, and I was like, "Oh, that's okay." And um, and I reached out to her again, and, and it was like for certain things, it was like, "Okay, she'll eventually get back to me." But like for when I knew it was something very important, and she wasn't like it was. It was just a little weird. And then uh, like October rolls around, and I and I see I go to Esperanza Spalding came to uh, the August Wilson Center, so I went to go see her. And while I'm there, I just went by myself, and I was I was there. And I see Jerry Allen walk by, and I'm like, Professor Allen. Like, and I, like, reach for her, and, and she just seemed – and I, I have, like, a buzz haircut. Like, that was – she didn't see me, like, <laughs> yeah, for a really right. long time. And, and, and then, like, she, like, looked kind of startled when she saw me, and I was like – I gave her a hug. I'm like, it's me, Chloe. <laughs> uh-huh. And she's like, I know. <laughs> and, and she said, I'm sorry I never, I never reached, out, uh, reached out to you for the for – the, like with your email and and I said no like that I said it's okay I know you're busy and she's like no there's no excuse and I was just like okay well it was really nice seeing you and and we like talked just a little bit and then you know the show started that was actually the last time I saw her um but then I sent her an email later on saying like you know would you be willing to write me or do you think I'd be a good fit for this PhD program because originally like Two years prior, she was like, Chloe, yeah, you have the grades. Like, you can, you could get into this program. And um, so I, like, reached out to her about it. And I, and I was like, and if you think so, like, would you be – because I knew she wrote other students' letters of recommendation for that program. So I was like, would you be interested in writing a letter of recommendation? And she never got back to me. And, and I was just like, oh, okay. Um, and then I talked to, like, uh, Adriana Helbig, who is – some sort of she she's she's a professor at Pitt, but like very uh, she's she's growing, getting higher and higher up, and um, uh, I I talked I talked to her um, about about the she's a musicology like the one of the heads there, and um, I talked to her about you know this PhD program, and and she like we're talking on the phone, and at the time like. Uh, the, the the Chloe back then I guess was very uh, just 
timid and mm-hmm. um, just just because of like not getting into grad school, so I just was like very uncertain what I was saying and and all of these things. And we're talking, and and Adriana was like, "I'll support you, and I'll write your like help you with letters or recommendation, but like you really need to think about this because this is kind of crazy." And mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially, and and um, then in like I don't know, like I sort of went through like this like crumbling moment um and and then uh what was it I I was in a voice lesson with Sandra Dow and I was like singing something and it was just all like not working out for like the audition because you had to audition and then also say what you wanted to write your PhD honors and and, and things like that for the application and and I was like I, I just like broke down and I just started crying and and she like took me in like she like prayed over me it was like it was a, kind of a very interesting uh, experience but then she goes Chloe you need to get away you need to like just leave Pittsburgh or like go get a hotel be in complete seclusion mm. and like to fast and and like she she and she's like very religious she's like talk to God and and that type of stuff and and just like find what you're looking for and. And so I did. I went. I went back to Johnstown, and luckily, like my my parents weren't home and stuff. And and so, I like fasted all day and went out into the woods. <laughs> we get staple. It was this place called Staple Bend Tunnel, and I like I. And it, she told me to write down all of my fears and doubts, and and then when I when I wrote those down to rip them up. And burn them or do something like get rid of them, um, and and I was like okay, uh, so so I go on this like two mile hike uh, through Staple Bend Tunnel, which is one of the first tunnels, uh, railroad tunnels ever made in the U.S. Hmm. Happens to be in Johnstown. Just saying, we have more things than the flood. <laughs> Plus that really uh, vertical vinicular is also oh yeah oh wait the incline like the plane mo- yeah it's the most um <laughs> it's high. the steepest, it's the incline, steepest plane incline in the in world, world. <laughs> it's in johnstown we have some gems um yeah. so anyway <laughs> please tell me more about your spiritual journey it's much more interesting than this, the this, <laughs> the spiritual journey um so we uh or we, myself and i guess jesus um <laughs> we we went on this, I went on this walk, and I, I had my my little notebook in my pocket, and I had my pen, and it's like mid November, so it's cold. Um, or I guess now it doesn't really matter what what time of year it is, because it could be summer at any point. Um, but yeah, so it was cold, and I'm walking, and and I go up on top of the tunnel. You're not supposed to, um, but like. I, I and I look miserable because I'm fasting and also I'm lost in life and 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 I'm and I'm writing and I open up the open up the book and I go to grab the pen and I realize the pen fell out of my pocket oh. and I'm like oh no and and so so then and I, I really just meant to write real fast and and um so then I was looking and it, you wouldn't expect this place to be as clean as it was like there was no there's not even like a piece of plastic anywhere for me to like I was like sure there's a pen laying around here somewhere in the woods no there's <laughs> and, you're and depending so, on humans littering capable like, to help me terrible <laughs> terrible <laughs> habits to help you in this moment and so and so then I take um I find a twig and and then I like put it in mud and I write this I'm like I drove or I I like drove to Johnstown and I walked all this way 
I'm not walking two miles back to find a pen. Um, so I wrote it all in mud, but I'm like wow. on top of this tunnel, like writing, and there's like hikers walking and like these guys, and I'm like crying as a <laughs> So it like really looked very suspect. I'm like on top of a tunnel writing a note on a piece of paper, and the one guy's like, hey, you okay up there? And I'm like, Oh yeah, just just writing. It's just like I'm fine. Yeah, just writing with a stick in the mud, literally. <laughs> and it was very it was a lot of shorthand. Um and, and yeah, how so, many times do you have to re-dip it in the mud, you know, to keep I, it going? I mean, I I didn't have to make it dark. It was just the fact that I'm like, okay, just I wrote this. And it wasn't even that muddy. Like I was digging in the mud to like create some And it didn't have mud. to be legible, right? Like this no, is no. for you to emit it out so it's a product and then to take that product and destroy it. Yes. Yeah. So so then so then I go um, I, I, I come down from the tunnel and um, then there's like off this path you can go on this like on this uh, old it's definitely not safe this old uh, train bridge mm. um, over this gorge and so then I like lit them on fire and I like threw them away and and then I think I went to like the Stations of the Cross or something because I'm I'm very Catholic, um, but, uh, and uh, but uh, through through all of that, like I was just like, okay, I think I'm having a better idea. And then I I still like I, I um, and well, I guess through all of that, I was also reading um, just different things about women in jazz because I was still like not 100% sure that I wanted to, that I wasn't gonna go for the PhD. Uh, or apply for it, and um, when I when I did that, uh, uh, the PhD. Where's my thoughts? Um, <laughs> uh, like reading about the women in jazz. Oh, women in jazz. Well, so I was I was I was still reading, and so like I would go home and I, I read about that. But like there was just like a whole bunch of things with like gender and and um, like Yoko Suzuki. She she wrote. This really awesome, or like her, I, I really enjoyed reading her dissertation because she's it was, the, the jazz saxophone player in Pittsburgh. Yes, right. yeah, I really enjoyed reading her dissertation because it was about um, just like uh, oh, I forget the name. Was it called "You Sound Like a Black Man"? I think that's what it was called. But it was it was talking about just um, like for her, and that's uh, like how I was talking about the saxophone playing. You know, just they see it as, like, this male-dominated thing, which it is. I mean, it's all very uh, yeah, right. male-dominated. But but then – and then the women that are there, like, Yoko was looking at, like, just their dress. And, like, they'll they'll dress very modest or, like, business or, or something like that. But then, like, Tia Fuller, she would dress with, like, neon colors and, and six-inch stilettos playing saxophone and, like, crushing it. Yeah. Um, but just reading all of that stuff, it, it – I don't know. It's sort of making me think, like, okay, there's like other other things going on here that, like, it's not just I don't know. But, but all of these things were coming together, and and then I decided, like, after that weekend, I'm like, okay, like I, I took I sort of already knew even when I was like doing my woodland spiritual mm-hmm. adventure, um, but I sort of already knew I'm like, okay, I'm not I'm not going to apply for this, and I'm just gonna. You know, but at the time I was like, I'm going to reapply for my master's because I felt like I gave, I gave up, which I did. I did give up. Um, and and then uh, so so that decision was final. I'm like, OK. And I reached out to Kenetra Miller and and I told her I was like, hey, sorry, because she wanted me to apply again the following year. And 
Um, and I didn't because I was like, no, this is not the answer. Yeah. Um, but then, but then when I reached out to her, she, I, I just asked her if there was like any recommendations that she had for for me, like for prepping for for next year for the audition. And and she gave me some some classes that I could that I could look at like through online with Berkeley. She one one of the things and she was like also just like getting out there and and seeing like a coffee shop or something. And I'm like, whoa, this woman doesn't think like I I've done like any of that stuff. And like meanwhile, I just like finished my like third annual like big Johnstown show. Like not that not that it was anything like extravagant, but I was just like, oh man, she really she really thought I was like not. The, uh, and, and I didn't have the performance aspect because it's all about the performance, right? Sure. Um, but uh, but I was just like, hmm, okay. And that kind of like took me back a little bit. And then um, uh, something, and I, I told my my good friend John Bagnato, who's uh, he, he's just finishing up his PhD at Pitt, but a phenomenal uh, jazz guitarist, blues guitarist. Um, and he goes, well, Chloe, that should tell you something. What what I, I I just I was still like just like lost yeah. Chloe. What and, am I telling myself? But it, and he tell said, me. well, it should tell you that like it doesn't like people. It, it was it was along the lines of like people's opinions. Like it's all just about people's opinions, and and like they don't know you, and like they're they're the the outcome of something does not signify who you are or anything or 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 whatever. Like it's all about just you know doing it and and going for it and and then I was like yeah okay and 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 then I was maybe a few months later I was like okay I'm not getting my master's like I'm just gonna go for this and then I started getting more involved with Sunburst and creating like well at the time I was still running uh or I I mean I am still running this acapella group with Kiki Brown mm-hmm. or Sherman Kiki Sherman um and um but then I like created a house band and then we were like trying to do more events and um and then I started to focus on my music and found sound um which I don't I don't think they're in existence really anymore but they would do like these little video shoots uh or like music videos and um uh, they they asked me to do one, and I hadn't written, like, I, I, I did not write a song for maybe five years at the time. Like, mm-hmm. they were all just, like, my high school tunes. I'm like, I'm not writing this yeah, high school song. totally. So I, I wrote this song called... You're a kick in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> so I wrote this song called um, El Cicle, which is a silly name, but um, meaning, like, like the cycle. Mm-hmm. Um and and then also I get if you there's there's a trick to that that word is if you flip it around it still says El Cicle. Um Oh, it's a palindrome. It, well, I guess a fake palindrome, sort of, like because it's two different. It's not. I guess it's not quite a palindrome, but m- the whole idea was I wanted it to be a palindrome. Right. Yeah. Because it was about someone whose name was a palindrome. Oh. Yeah. And Bob. Bob. It was about Bob. <laughs> no, no. It was about it was it was about my my um the the girl that 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 we ended things with. It was about Hannah, and mm-hmm. and so and so I wrote that song and I and I performed it and then they did that. So full circle coming back to that uh thing that you that you El just Cicle. read um was uh full El Cicle. Um, El Cicle. but um then we did this little this little apartment show which was such a blast but I got like um 
Well, Benny Rossman, he played, and and then, um, well, okay, so Benny Rossman of Starship Manus, um, Jonathan Golden of the Buckle Downs, and John O'Brien of Clock Reads, they all, like, accompanied me in, in, in my little apartment show. And, but it was, it was great in the feedback I got. And it was just that little tiny thing uh-huh. that kind of got me to be like, okay, let's, let's do more of this. Um, but then that sort of, like, I, I slowly started, I, I, uh, for what we were talking about, uh, earlier, um, I started playing, doing this open, uh, there was like this comedy event yeah. um, at James Street at the time. It was called Shit Creek, like a terrible name, right? Yeah. Um, I don't, but I think it was just saying like how shitty the night was going to be about the things <laughs> they were going to talk about. But um, Davon Magwood ran it, and he wanted a house band. But I think he he was just like trying to get me to go out and play more because mm-hmm. um, he's he's been a, a a a good supporter of my music to an extent. Um, Devon had me had me uh, do this, and it was just it was a weird, like we had to sit uh, the we we like did interlude music for when the comedians like the whole idea is really cool, but it was also uh, like having to sit behind these mu- or these comedians that were just saying like the worst stuff, and like I'm down for like all the bad jokes in the world that are like classy yeah. or or just like funny in general, but oh, man, they were just terrible some of them, but some of them were really good. Anyways, that was sort of the start of me like playing out more and <laughs> and like reaching out to other people. And yeah, I mean like running your own house band is is like, I mean, that's quite a start. That's a hell of a start. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people like just hope to get there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I only did it like maybe like three or four times cuz it was a once a month type of thing. Uh-huh. But uh uh it was it was it was an experience for sure. Um and I got to see like di- like I would play with a few different people and you know just seeing what drummers, what what bassists I liked and and um uh and it was all sort of like boiling this this idea that I wanted to do which is now Chloe Wise Collective. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, and then I I guess it was probably over the summer I just had these uh kind of awesome opportunities um like thankfully the the buckle down keyboard player was getting married the day that they played <laughs> that they played at the WYEP oh, yeah. music festival that's a great thing to play all those people go there i mean they remember you yeah well and and this was my first time like comping for someone like i never did that stuff before um and and Ernie and Kiki, they were like, because I work with them, and they they go, hey, well, would you would you want to fill in for our keyboard player? And they said we're doing like the W like a WY or for some show in the end of June. And I was like, yeah, sure, yeah, that's fine. I'll I'll learn your music. And then they're like, yeah, it's the WYEP festival. And then as it's like getting closer to that date, I'm like, I was never at the WYEP yeah. festival before. Oh, you didn't know. And I didn't know. And and I was just like, oh yeah, it's that thing. And I'm like, oh, there's still probably like a handful. They were like. Like uh, like over five thousand people there, yeah. and and it was, and and we opened for the Marcus Marcus King band. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's incredible. And but it was uh, the, like I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know what I got myself into. Um, and and I totally beefed it right at the beginning. But then the, the <laughs> videos that people have, it's like I'm crushing it. So I'm yeah. like, okay, good. <laughs> you definitely have a great like demeanor while you're playing. Like you're jamming out, and it's really, really, really fun to watch it's a it's a good performer you're a good performer I can only play standing up like that's that's the oh so I can't well no I play sitting down like at home but 
like performing, I don't know yeah. why anyone would want to sit down because you, then you can't dance. Yeah, right? Like, I know. Like, when you're playing a keyboard, this is part of why, like, I'm always like, oh, do I want to play keys? I don't know. Um, but, like, if you want to boogie down, you only got your butt because your hand has to be connected. Your hands have to be connected. <laughs> and, like, I do so much dancing with my whole body, but, like, it would be hard for me to stick to keys because you're, you're literally stuck to them. So you got to be standing because you got to at least yeah. label your booty. Yeah, yeah. You were you were making comment on some of my some of my moves, mm. and I was thinking your owl dance. Yeah, move. I do this owl move where <laughs> I'm like moving when up you're and really down. Really into it. It's really funny, and I love it. So and, wise. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> at all, uh, my, my logo should just be an owl. Um, totally. <laughs> um, it's funny too at the Spirit Jam the other night. Um, they have Wednesday night Spirit Jams at Spirit. Uh, the lodge house or whatever they call it. But anyway, the guy called you Chloe and the Wise Ones. And I, I thought that actually was a really good name. And I know you were Ooh. going with Chloe Wise Collective, but like well, Chloe, I mean, Chloe and the Wise Ones. Chloe and like, the Wise Ones. Yeah, but you could spell wise like the way you do with your last name. It, it just confuses everyone though. So. Yeah, but then they'll <laughs> know how to say it because they'll be like, oh, it was that wise. It must be wise, you know? But I like Chloe and the Wise Ones. It's Ooh. Pretty. Just saying. I, you know, I'll think about it because Chloe, Chloe Wise Collective, how that name even happened was um, – uh, Benny Rossman had me. He did this. He with Starship Mandis. Basically, his lead singer was away um, in in London over November, and that was when James Street was closing. Yeah. And they did. They had this like really uh, two the the final weekend Friday and Saturday Friday night. They had this massive show with East End Mile, then uh, Starship Mandis, then Beauty Slap, and Landon. Or Langston was was gone for for it. So Benny was like, "Well, I'm not gonna not do this gig." So he created this thing called uh, Starship Manus, and then and the Galactic Ambassadors. His, uh, <laughs> so you're an ambassador of the galaxy. I, I am. Kiki Kiki and I uh, and and Benji. Uh, the rapper, I don't know what Benji's last name is, um, but but um, we we uh, and then some of some of the horn players from Beauty Slap and East End Mile mm-hmm. came and um, uh, Benny Rossman wrote like four original or three or four original tunes, and then also uh, Chris Potter wrote one as well for for this specific event. Mm. And um, where am I going with this? Why am I bringing? This? Oh, but when uh, when I so when I was singing on it, Benny, Benny was like, Chloe, what? What should we call your band? Because everyone, I was just like, just Chloe Wise. Because I was like very adamant, just doing my own name. Um, and he was like, okay, but let me show you what this looks like. And it was like, Kiki Brown of the Buckle Downs, so and so of Beauty Slap. And then it was like, Chloe Wise of Chloe Wise. And I was just like, ah, okay, Chloe Wise Collective, sure, that would, that'll be fine. And he's like, oh, I kind of like that. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay. And, and then, and then, and then I was like, "All right, whatever. That's that's it. That's I'm gonna just do Chloe Wise Collective, but Chloe, Wise, Chloe and the Wise Ones. Mm. Chloe and the Wise Ones. I think you, that's you a guys really like. Good, ooh. I think ooh. it's good because the Wise Ones is kind of like it rolls off the tongue and it's a th- sort of a thing, you know what I mean? But it's also your name, and I think it's really I don't know Chloe and the Wise Ones. Just throw it out mm. there. It's I think it's a very marketable name. Ah. Chloe Wise Collective is is good too, but Chloe and the Wise Ones could is like, a little bit more personal too. I feel like. Chloe Wise Collective can be, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry. Keep. Well, I was going to say that Chloe Wise Collective, I feel like, makes it more uh, like genre specific somehow to me. 
in a way. It's like serious and hmm. jazz or something. And Chloe and the Wise Ones, it opens you up to be doing all different kinds doing of stuff. Doing my quirky stuff. The, the, all the quirky. More yeah, than. like you are a quirky person and that's a quirky <laughs> name. And if I had a way to like make a pun out of my name and a band name, I would just like 100% do it. But that's just me. Okay, I want to ask you, I found this thing you wrote. Oh, no. Um, an article. Oh, my God. That you wrote. And I want to, I have a question about this. We. Oui. So I'm just going to read the first paragraph. We. Oui. It's okay. <laughs> I'm so nervous what it is. <laughs> Although most of us remember him as the bleach blonde, curly haired teenage star within the past year, Justin Timberlake stopped crying a river, picked up his suit and tie, and faced the music realm with an image based on something new suave sex appeal. In his latest album, The 2020 Experience, by the way, this was written in 2013, Timberlake broke away from his mid-career bad boy phase and brought sexy back with chic style and smooth grooves, thereby transforming pop music culture as a whole. But what, you ask, is so different about his visual appearance that is suddenly making girls and boys, men and women, and even my 85-year-old grandma stick human-sized posters of Timberlake above their backs? <laughs> That's the intro. Then, <laughs> that was just That's that brilliant. was that was a really short sentence that last one. <laughs> and um just in the interest of time it's actually really funny the whole thing is written really funny filled with filled with puns of Justin Timberlake lines and lyrics and songs and and it's really funny and um but like one of the what things about <laughs> one of the things about this that kind of struck me is that um, this is like from a time where J- JT like transitioned from like a thug style to uh, like the super classy, super man. classy style. Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to ask you since you had a really strong opinion about that transition in 2013, <laughs> what do you think of his most recent transition to like Montana man? Super white Montana man. Did you watch the Super Bowl with him? I I did watch the Super Bowl. Um, uh, what what is my opinion? I love that this. <laughs> I recently I forgot I wrote that. Did that, you do you write many things? I mean, no, this is no. really funny. You should write more things. I, I was really obsessed with that the the first part of the 2020 album in yeah. college. Yeah, <laughs> was, well, that much is um, very clear. Was, yeah. <laughs> Um, I even wrote an acapella arrangement of a Pusher Love Girl that we my group performed at the ICCAs. Oh, and it was, wow. But um, did I watched his Super Bowl performance. I couldn't – it was – it was. Uh, did you see how he was wearing that, that shirt that had, like, deer on it and stuff? And I'm going to have to say that um, my recollection of it <laughs> – May have been fogged a little bit. Um, well, he has in his new album and in his life, he had he like bought a little ranch in Montana, but like in a gated community kind of situation, and he's like playing this like he's like ramping up the straight white man thing. He's like uh-huh. uber that way now, almost like and some people are really upset because he's like now he's pandering to the opposite end of the spectrum. A man. Like yeah, that. he's a man's man. <laughs> yeah, and he like all of his Instagram pics are like him in a field and you know stuff like that. Yeah, looking out in the in a rugged clothing. Mm. 
kind of a thing. So I just wondered if you had any opinion on that, but sounds I, like not. Well, I, not I, I, I didn't, not yet. I didn't know. Now I have to rewatch that. I remember when I saw the Super Bowl thing, like uh, the audio. I, I don't know if it was just the TV that I was watching it on. It wasn't. It yeah. wasn't there. I heard that there was some problems. Well, the, it's not so much his um, the performance on the on the Super Bowl itself. It's just that I I started to look into this because his outfit was so weird to me. He seemed he seemed different. Well, he just he also didn't like before he had this like smooth movement and like super like just even his his body language. I yeah. felt at the Super Bowl was different. Yeah. Um. And and. That that was one thing I I did notice from my foggy memory of of that time, um, but no, I haven't listened to his his new stuff. I, I pretty much only the like, I, and I hated Justin Timberlake. That's the fun thing. I, like growing up, I didn't hate him, but I was just like Justin Timberlake. I don't know why people like him. Look at his ramen noodle hair. Um, <laughs> yeah, you said ramen noodle. <laughs> oh, hair did I say ramen too. noodle? <laughs> yeah, and it was like ha 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 ha. But um, but uh. <laughs> But yeah, no, no, I, um, no comment. I, I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> but you um, are really, I don't know if I should say you're really into pop music or whatever, but you do a really good job with really popular songs and turning them into like your own versions. Yeah. Um, like you have that one song by... Robin? By Robin that you do. Dancing on my own. Dancing yeah. on my own. And your version of that is very different from the original, but really good. And it actually gives it that new, it's like the best kind of cover because it gives it a new perspective on the original yeah. material. So you're really good at that, by the way. Hey, thanks. And um, and also, I mean, it's just interesting. Actually, Tara shares this too, like this sort of like interest in pop, pop music. Pop music. Ah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you're not you're not above that. You know what I mean? Oh, no. A lot of what musicians. What is there to be a, a lot of musicians who are all like, I'm a jazz guy or whatever. Like, oh. they're just like, that's not my music. That's, that's shit. That's popular music. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, I, I definitely shit on pop music, though, as well. But, uh -huh. I, I mean, I, I just like that song, Dancing on My Own. Yeah. Um, but I, I've I found, it was sort of when I was doing that um, thing at James Street for the comedy night, because we were just doing covers because I didn't have that many originals. I was like, well, how can I make this more, like, how can I make this cool? And then I just started, that's when I started really exploring um, reharmonization. And and so that's essentially what I did with that uh, that song, uh, with Dancing on My Own, is, it, like, the, the whole song within itself, I believe, is just four, four chords the entire time. Uh -huh. But then I'm just, like, super extra, so I made it, yeah. like... Like seven plus chords happening, yeah, and and changing keys and, and and things like that. So, um, yeah, no, I I like pop music. I, I really do. But do you have anything um, specific you would want to say about how I mean how it feels to be a woman in the industry? I mean, I know like you were talking about being a woman in jazz. I was kind of inspired when you were t talking about your experience in that summer experience yeah and seeing um what is her is it Kinet Kinetta Kinetra Miller Kinetra mm -hmm. and um and the woman with the spiky shoes and yeah, yeah and like just this idea that oh and also the dissertation by Yoko to see that there's a huge niche that ha is very underfilled and that like it needs to be filled and like you can like like 
be that. And it's not just um, being a woman in music, but being a woman with her own style in yeah. music. And mm-hmm. you have so much style. Oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. You like scream style and um, in your in your musicianship and also in your like presentation and everything. Uh-huh. And um, I'm just really glad that you decided to fill some holes. Uh, I mean, so I'm still, thank you, Erica. I'm, I'm trying to find these holes. Always looking um, for holes. Always looking for holes. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Seeing what I can fit into. Yeah. <laughs> so what, um, <laughs> Okay. Anyways, um. uh, so what's um, what did you bring to play today? Oh, um, so I'm gonna play this song. Hopefully, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I think I can hit the notes. Um, uh, called Sway. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. I guess I, I wrote it. I wrote it last year, and actually, this this all kind of ties in together because it's it's about. Um, and, and it's a relationship song, but it's, it's, it's all tying in with me, um, realizing that, that I have, uh, like something more to give and, and I am, uh, I guess a valuable person, if not to anyone else, but to myself. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the song I have. I have for us today. And how did you write it? Like, did you write the piano first and then you found your lyrics into it? Or did you have this idea for the content and then you, you built something from there? Um, I sort of, when I, when I write, I like will play a few things on the piano and then I'll sing over it or something will pop in my head and then I'll record it. I have so many random recordings on my phone. Yeah, me too. (laughs) This is like a number one tip for everybody. Like everyone we've interviewed says they have like a a bunch of terrible things on their phone that are like clips of this and that and the other. And uh, you you have to keep track of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes like I've gone back on older things and I'm like, let's make this into something. Uh And (laughs) um, so it's it's a good handy tool to have. But um, yeah, I started writing some of it, and then it was sort of because of that um, that show that I that I did a year ago yesterday um, at that apartment, and I was like, okay, I really want to finish this song, and I finished it like of during that week, and then I taught it to the band, and and we just kind of it was it was a very like kind of a simple simplistic like instrumentation of it, but um, yeah, and then. It just was sort of like, okay, this is this is a song. Like, mm-hmm. I like this song, and I'm gonna. I usually like end my shows with it or something, so it's yeah. gonna get loud. Okay, cool. Well, um, why don't we take a listen?
people's fits twirl you round in my hand Swaying time we sway in place Will this ever start to fade Now I'm thinking how I Just pretend things are good, we are good, we are so grand. And at night I'll never do, no, never do things unsaid. Over time spent, you are. Our fits, but in my cross and my bread, sway in time, I sway in place. Will this ever start to fade? Now I'm thinking how I need to. See ya, see ya, see ya, move
Hey, that was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I loved it. And I loved it before when I listened to it also. And I feel like the energy was, you know, just as palpable here with just you and your keyboard, maybe even more so. Ooh, well, thank you. I, that was like my, my, that was the first song I ever wrote on the piano. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually. Because everything else I would always write through guitar. And yeah. Then, oh, yeah. But I'm a terrible guitarist, so it's... <laughs> Now, like, you, do you feel like your style as you play a song, write a song in guitar is very different from the piano? Like, the piano kind of makes, it lends itself to R&B or Fiona Apple or, like, things like that yeah. that, you know, that you think um, are more key-oriented versus guitar. I think now with the style that I'm trying to go with, it, uh, keyboard is definitely, and, and now I'm just... I would say I'm I'm more confident in my keyboard playing and and that's what I use to write whereas guitar I think the the reason why I was able for so long to write on guitar was because I didn't know what I was doing so mm-hmm. I yeah, yeah. just did it and 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 um now when I when I play and I've switched a lot of my my guitar songs onto keyboard now mm-hmm. and from like my really old ones I was like, wow, I only did three chords, but on guitar it just felt like I was doing a whole bunch, but I wasn't. And <laughs> and um but I would have never written those songs because of getting in your head and you're like, oh, there's not enough chords here. Or there's yeah. I don't know. So it, it's like um I sometimes write on guitar. I, I, I really just need to write more in general. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get back to you on the next time. I yeah. see. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. Uh. <laughs> um do you feel like um you know, it was a beautiful story that you told about uh, your musical journey and then the the ways that you you were great at talking about this mentor and this person influenced me. You had all these names that really, like, um, not name-dropping way, but, like, people who I can tell really influenced you. And, of course, Jerry Allen is, is uh, top among them. And she passed last year. And I was just wondering yeah. if her... Um, getting sick and her death influenced your commitment to your future? Um, like, and how, just what was the experience like for you? Yeah, well, it was, it was weird. So, so I, as I told you last time, like, uh, we, you know, I sent her that email and she never got back to me. And, and when I saw her at the Esperanza Spalding concert, that was the last time I got to see her. And, and the whole time during that, while I was, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go to graduate school, but I really want to prove myself um, to to Jerry Allen, which I didn't have to, but it was just that mindset that I had, um, and it was at, towards the so I believe she, the date that she passed away was June twenty seventh, um, or something. It was a Tuesday. That's one thing I remember. Uh-huh. Um, but the the weekend before that was when we did the, I was with the Buckle Downs for the WIEP Summer Music Festival, and after I played that. I had this, and, and and Jerry was on my mind. I didn't know that she had cancer. I had a feeling that something was wrong, but I don't know. It was just one of those things that you didn't reach out and and. Um, uh, well, how do you ask a question like that? Do you have cancer? Yeah, you can't. You I have can't. this feeling like no. maybe you have cancer. And, and I and I feel like I, something you have I, people I, have to tell you. Yeah, right? yeah. But she she kept it quiet. Like no one. I mean, she was still teaching at Pitt, but. Um, yeah. Uh, I just I knew that something wasn't quite right, but I still felt the need to I needed to prove myself in a sense, and and so after the the buckle downs uh, show, uh, I was like, okay, 
I think I think I finally did it. Like I I think I, this is enough to like sort of show Professor Allen that because I sort of felt like you know I wasted her time because I I didn't go to school mm. and and that type of but the, 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 the truth was I didn't. You know it was all just about my journey and what and like her helping me to to get to you know wherever wherever she could help me get to and um, I so I thought about messaging her but I didn't. And then um, I actually had on on the following Wednesday, I had like my first scheduled jazz appearance in in, in Pittsburgh, and it was just something really simple at uh, James Street. It was like a cocktail type of thing. But me and and my friend John O'Brien of Clock Reads, we uh, did. We were both uh, students of Jerry's too. Um, but it was that Tuesday that the Tuesday that she passed. Um, it was actually before she passed. John and I were practicing just going over jazz standards and me being like, man, I haven't done this stuff in so long. And, and like, you know, it kind of feels good to, like, not always be belting and, and you know, using my mask and, and all of this stuff. And, and then, uh, we, then John and I, we both work at Sunburst and we were teaching. And, and right, before, right before my one student, like, we both share this one student, um, he goes, Chloe, I just got word that, like, Professor Allen's really, really sick, like, in, like, in trouble. And I was like, oh, really? And then, and then while I was in, in the class with that student, I look at my phone and John sends me a text and he was like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that she passed. Aww. And I was like, I was in my lesson with my student and I, like, just, like, look at my phone and it was just, I, I like, held back the tears. My student, she... Thank God it was like a student that I know really well. But like I didn't, I didn't cry. But she was just like, "Are you okay? Do you need to go?" And I'm like, "No, I'm fine. Uh, just some like a, a mentor of mine just passed. I, I found out." But in my head, I was like, "Okay, I still had like a few more lessons to go." I'm like, "I'm gonna do this because, because like she would do that because education, educating youth was mm-hmm. like one of her things. Mm-hmm. That's what she was um, also known not not only." She was known as a famous jazz pianist, but an educator. Those two like went together, so um, so it was just you know I was I was I was really sad, um, and and then the next day I did jazz, and it was just weird that that was you know after that whole experience that I had of running away, you know the day after she passes, I do my my first jazz thing in Pittsburgh, yeah. and. Um, it was it was just like really surreal, um, and John and I did we did all the songs that she that she taught us and, and stuff and and so it was um, it was interesting, and uh, and then through through that whole experience, um, you know, I, I just I was like okay I'm gonna keep keep doing music, but then I and, and then as time continued and I went to her funeral in New Jersey. I drove out by myself and. Uh, Went went out there and um, I I met some. It was it was just like such a weird experience. Um, so it was a Friday that I went out and I when I got to when I got to the the church I was like super nervous. I almost didn't go in because I was like, there's all these people like that will be famous there and and also like I'm I'm not a family member and I didn't do like you know I didn't feel like I was worthy to be there yeah. and. Um, uh, I go there and I and I start talking to 
or I, I see like a pit professor and we're talking and he's like, well, you should go tell, because the week before that we did like this uh, tribute to her, for mm-hmm, her mm-hmm. at the Abbey with, with some of her former students. Um, so I go from like not doing jazz at all to doing like two jazz gigs. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and he was like, well, you should go tell Aura uh, what what happened and Oro she I didn't know at the time but she was Jerry Allen's manager uh-huh. and I just thought she was a family member so I because I'm still very clueless I think with all of that stuff so I go up and go up to her and I tell her about it and she was just she was like grabbing my hand she was so happy Aww. and like we we're like crying together and and um, it was it was really beautiful um, but like I told her I told her about the 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 students um, and. Or like, or us us doing that song, and then I told her about about um, like Betty Betty Carter and like how I love Betty Carter, and I didn't realize that she was also Betty Carter's oh. manager as well. Wow! Um, so and because she goes, yeah, I, I I had the privilege of managing two of the most powerful women in the world, and then I realized I'm like, oh my god, that's who I'm talking to. It's like this this lady. I mean, she really really wonderful. They were just like really welcoming and that was something that Jerry um helped me or like I got to experience through Jerry is just seeing this welcoming um of and now not everyone's so welcoming you know of course but um and and like Aura introduced me to Terry Lynn Carrington who's um uh so Jerry Allen Esperanza Spalding and Terry Lynn Carrington were in a trio together and um yeah that must be it was, it was, it was, it, yeah. Um, they, they had a show scheduled and everything, but uh, until she passed. But, uh, you know, just meeting those people and, and uh, just, just the whole thing. And I, and I, told, I told Aura about the, the all-female jazz residency program. And I told her how, how Jerry really changed my life, especially through that program, just seeing, like, mentorship and teaching and educating. Because I was, I actually was sort of, I, I said to her, I was like, yeah, at certain points, like, because there was this really uh, young young girl named Love, and she's she's a friend of mine now, but she was, like, oh, I think she was 13. Like, she got, she was allowed in because uh, um, yeah. of of different connections. And, um, uh, like, I befriended her, but then I would also help her with her singing and just, like, life stuff because she was, um, uh, like, a, a queer woman or, like, figuring out herself and, and that type of thing. And You're her mentor. And, well, yeah, and, and well, I, I don't know if I <laughs> still uh, would be seen as that, but I, in that moment, I sort of was. And and um, when when I said to Aura, I was like, yeah, it was like kind of like a men- like uh, almost like I took this the squirrel under my wing and I like helped her with jazz. And and uh, and Aura goes, well, that was the point of it all. Was that's why the age was so broad. Mm. And the coolest thing is that we like through Facebook and Instagram, like we all kind of still keep like the girls that were in that program, we keep tabs on each other. And, um, and, and like we, none of us have really collaborated, but like, I mean, we're all throughout the the country. And um, so it's just really neat how we have that, like this bond has happened. And like, she was really big on like sisterhood and, and that type of thing. And, um, uh, but but then the craziest one, one of the crazy there, it was just like a very surreal experience because then the next day, um, I uh, was was staying at my friend's house in in Brooklyn, and then I'm driving back to New Jersey to uh, to go to the funeral, 
And at this point, um, my students were playing or singing on Saturday Light Brigade, oh, but yeah. my house band that I just created. Yeah. And um, my 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 coworker covered covered that for me. But I was like, I turned them on, and I was listening to my students, and they were crushing it. It was so yeah. good. Um, they sang. They did Valerie and uh, Tub Thumping. Oh my god. <laughs> Something <laughs> wasn't that good. I mean, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, it was good, but Valerie was was the ticket. Tub thumping was more fun, but um, it was just so cool driving and to to a woman that influenced me mm-hmm. and made me start teaching and and not made me start teaching, but inspired me to teach. And I'm listening to my students sing on the radio, and and like just that whole experience. I was just like, wow. That, yeah. that was amazing. And then I go to the funeral, and it, it was the most beautiful service I ever, I ever saw. Um, uh, and, and then uh, after, afterwards, or like I think right before I went in, I remembered that love, my, the, the girl from, from the camp, that she lived in New Jersey, in Newark. And, and I was in Newark, so I was like, okay. Uh, I messaged Love, and I said, hey, are you in town? Or, like, are you are you free right now? Do you want to, like, grab lunch? I have to drive back to Pittsburgh today. But, yeah, and she, she goes, yeah, I am, but I, like, I'm, like, an hour away or, like, an hour or two away from you. And and I was like, oh, bummer. Well, like, I, I guess, you know, I'll be back in New York, I, I'm, I'm sure, again, and I can always stop, stop by and see you. And she goes, well, actually, I'm just in town for the week. Uh, just visiting family. She didn't even know Professor Allen passed away, um, uh-huh. but uh, she she's. I'm just in town visiting family. Um, uh, I live in Alabama now, and I was just like, oh my god, I have to I have to drive out and visit this girl. Like that's just so yeah. like weird that she's in in the same area. Like, but she lives in Alabama. So I met up with her, and we had just this lovely, lo- wonderful talk. And um, how old is she now? I think love is 16 now, maybe. But um, but it's, you know, it, it's just all of all of that stuff. It was just so surreal. Cosmic. And yeah. I, I was, like, on another level for, like, a month. I think it was, like, partially, like, grieving, partially yeah. a, a bit of other things. But then, I mean, through that, a lot of... Um, I don't. I don't know. I guess I, I, I sort of went on a tangent, but like for your your original question, which was, <laughs> <laughs> which was about, um, it was about Jerry's influence on your decision like to especially become with, committed, really committed to this direction in your life. Yeah. Um, well, I think I was. I think I was already on in in that, like going in that direction. If she were still alive today. I would have definitely reached out to her if she like I I don't know maybe I would be more doing jazz I don't know but um in general like just the I, I guess seeing hearing all the things that they said about her and the, her strength but also just the quality of person there was like I I've never heard so many people speak so highly but not just about her and it like her funeral it wasn't even about Really, I mean, there was tons of music happening, but it wasn't about her um, uh, music per se. It was it was just about her being a wonderful person and like caring, a nurturer. Mm-hmm. That was a big word, and and just like doing everything for her students 
and her family. Well, her family and her students, should I say. Yeah. But um, uh, and and just sort of that, just like this uh, selflessness, but also strength and power. And and I, um, I guess since then, like I've been really trying to channel channel that in a sense, like just being strong and 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 being being a, a a woman in in the I guess now in the Pittsburgh music scene and being a queer woman in in the Pittsburgh music scene I I mean I guess I don't there there probably are setbacks somewhere in there but I I think I'm just either really oblivious or I'm just super like aggressive in what I do <laughs> that like I don't um I guess I I I guess in my my whole philosophy is like my opportunities are from what I can make for myself and and that type of thing and um, I mean I've dealt with like certain venues like not wanting or just like not getting back to you and that type of thing and so it's like there's always other places and I don't know just uh, I think what I've channeled from her is just being strong and dedicated and true and um, I don't know. I and think giving back. It sounds like giving too. back. Oh yeah, giving back. That's yeah. that's the number one thing I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. But um, well, but your yeah. journey is super beautiful. <laughs> um, like, like someday you should write a memoir. <laughs> uh, it's like a. It's got a beautiful story arc to it. In addition to being like your life, it's also got this really beautiful story arc and um, and the involvement of Jerry. In her in her life and her story arc, it's just really beautiful, and you should you have a great writing voice too from the Justin Timberlake article. I can tell, uh, so you should consider it in your future. Just just keep all these details alive in your mind, so you can uh, share them again um, in a written form. Because I think a lot of people would love um, would love your story, and um, and you're also a beautiful person. I just think Jeez. you're so wonderful. And um, also, full disclosure, everybody, she plays in my band, by the way. <laughs> we and, forgot to say that. It's just brand new, brand new, just for a couple months so far. But I, I love her influence, and it's really awesome. And um, and please don't accuse me of nepotism for having her on the show, because I think the fact that I forgot to mention that until all the way at the end is um, pretty clear that she's her own person, her own talent, and... Um, and it's I'm not interviewing her just because she's in my band, um, <laughs> which is called Working Breed, by the way. <laughs> Album drops. No. Album drops late 2018 or someday, we hope. Um, okay, so thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. This yeah. has been really, really, really fun. And, um, yeah, I just I love everything about your story. Thank you for going into detail. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm good at that, I guess. Yeah, it's <laughs> Thanks great. for keeping me on track. Yeah, well, <laughs> sort of. We'll see. Thank you. Yes, thanks, you guys. You've been listening to Petticoat Rule, galvanizing women in musical creativity. The views and opinions expressed during the show are solely those of the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the producers. Subscribe and find more information and episodes at petticoatrule.net. Follow us on Facebook at Petticoat Rule and on Instagram and Twitter at Petticoat Rule FM.